The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right, we have a ton of work to do today. Lots of news that has come down the pike. Also got to talk about the Southwest Division in this episode ahead of the trade deadline. But I think we probably do need to start with the news here. And some of that news is really, really disheartening. It is. Victor Oladipo, he went down with with an injury on Wednesday night in their game against the Raptors. It has been diagnosed as a ruptured quad tendon. That is most similar. It is a very unusual injury for an NBA player. It has happened a few times. The most recent one was Tony Parker's in the 2017 playoffs. And Parker is a very different player, especially at this point in his career, than Oladipo. And those differences actually concern me more about this because Parker, there is a very big positive here, which is that he looks more like himself 18 months out than I anticipated. And that is great. That is a really important piece of news. But it did take really a year. This is something that my finger brought up. It took him about a year to be right. And then the part that I will add in is that Tony Parker at this stage in his career relies on athleticism significantly less than Oladipo. So I am hopeful that we can see the Victor Oladipo or at least a reasonable facsimile of it to the the guy that we've seen over the last couple of years who's been such a revelation. But it might take some time and there is a risk here. Yeah, and for Oladipo, I mean, we had noted that he just had not looked right since returning from that injury, and and you know maybe this was just going to be a new level of performance after that injury. Anyway, uh, there had been a rumor from the Indie Star on Twitter, which I had missed initially, saying that it was really more of a long term injury, and he was going to have to take the whole year off to get right. I mean, the fact that we never got any kind of a diagnosis on what was wrong with him, other than sore knee, that's always a, a little bit concerning is going to kind of make you skeptical of what's going on now it also should be noted that Oladipo insisted that he wasn't feeling any soreness he specifically said that teammates said that he wasn't feeling any soreness the team obviously said that that he was and he'd been back playing for I think over a month now but Jay Michael also talked about how there was a time when he was shooting a technical free throw and he's kind of trying to work out the kinks in his knee and like practicing pushing off so all that certainly raises your suspicions a little bit that hey maybe he ne- shouldn't necessarily have been playing but he also you know it, it, what would it have been have him sit out the whole season you know he was had been cleared to come back and play so uh, we never know with these things where the blame lies but it, it is something that does need to be talked about in this story and I think you can maybe kind of think about this as similar to like a torn patellar tendon it's a little higher on the knee than that but kind of a similar thing where it just looks like it was pretty ugly if you saw it where it looked like the knee was basically like out of alignment and you know if you don't have that rope to pull on the rest of your knee from your quad like you can't move your knee and so it's really that's like 
a big stress point when you're trying to do things like run and jump so it's really a shame i mean he just what he had done last year building himself up to be an all nba caliber player now that's very much in jeopardy he already hadn't been playing at that level and a pacers team that had been one of the best stories in the nba the last couple of years this is a massive setback well, so that gets us into the other part of this that we have to discuss, which is the impact on the Pacers, both in the immediate and the long term. The good news, if you want to see it that way for the Pacers, is that they are pretty settled in the top five of the Eastern Conference. They are currently with, because they won that game against the Raptors, it got close at the end, but they did win. They are eight games ahead of the nearest team in the loss column, that would be the Brooklyn Nets. And with you know so little of the season comparatively left, that seems like it's too big of a margin for Brooklyn or any of these other teams unless they get crazy hot to overcome, especially because unlike last year, the Pacers have done well in Oladipo's absence this year. I believe they're seven and four in games that he did not play. And it was a lighter a lighter schedule, you know, that just so happened to be during that time. But that's one part of this. So expect them to make the playoffs, expect them to be a top five seed. But how they interpret where this is going is fascinating because you have a front office. I mean, we were so optimistic about the Pacers, you know, this young team, significant financial flexibility in the summer of 2019 and a lot of expiring contracts. And so Bruce Pritchard front office or wait, Kevin Pritchard, Kevin Pritchard and the front office can go in a lot of different directions here, depending on what they're comfortable with. You know, that could be, you know, offloading some guys that they're not thinking about resigning. It could be getting players that are under contract for multiple years, or maybe they approach the 2019 offseason and or the 2020-1920 season differently if Oladipo has some sort of limitations. I'm hoping he'll be back for the start of the year, but these are all things that their front office needs to be thinking about. Yeah, who knows whether this will make them more or less aggressive on the trade market this year they uh, aaron holiday is probably going to get into the rotation a little bit more during that seven and four stretch they had i think a 4.0 net rating you mentioned the lighter schedule but i mean even if they go 500 the rest of the way like they i mean they're already 17 games over 500 nobody below them in the east is going to be touching that so uh they will at least get to the fifth seed but probably looking more likely that they'll be there and more likely to have a first round exit there's a thought that at least they could get into the three seed and then have a pretty easy match i mean i still think they're better than all those teams that are below them right now so let's turn now to new orleans where the news is mixed on anthony davis there was a thought with that finger injury that uh, the avulsion fracture basically in the knuckle of that left index finger similar one to what kobe bryant had in his pinky finger uh, back in the late 2000s but the hope is that he can be back within the week or so and rich paul talking to Woj, interestingly enough usually uh the lebron camp and the Woj camp don't get along too well but they said it's a better outcome they originally feared. And then now we got more problems, though, because Nikola Mirotic left the game on Wednesday with a right calf strain. I believe it was his right ankle as well. So more issues with that right lower extremity. And calf strains, as we know, are pretty tricky. Have to imagine he's going to miss at least a week, if not more. Pels back under 500. They did lose at home to Detroit. That's one. They, they had a nice win at the Grizzlies where they killed them. And then they lost at home to Detroit yesterday. Jalil Okafor somehow had six blocks in that game. He's played well-ish by his standards. But yeah, losing that one at home to Detroit, that's the kind of game they had to win with AD out of the lineup. It weren't able to get that done. And so, again, I think there's almost zero chance that the Pels are going to make a move with Davis before the trade deadline. But 
you know they got three four more games here probably before he comes back and if they lose all those you know now you're looking at seven eight games under 500 i think and so just not a realistic path likely at that point back into the playoffs well, and it's they're not helped by it being a very tough part of the schedule. So they lost that home to the Detroit Pistons. They're facing the Thunder, the Spurs, the Rockets, the Nuggets, and then the Spurs again, the second one on the road. Those are their next five games. So if Anthony Davis comes back, you know, middle of next week, they they, they, they can win. You know, they're certainly a capable team, but it, it would make that a lot harder. And as you said, you know, the margins are getting there. And yes, it's true that as of right now, it looks like it's going to be easier to get into the West playoffs than we would have anticipated either before the start of the season or early, just because like the Lakers in particular have dealt with this. Jimmy Butler got traded, all that sort of stuff. But the Pelicans are four games under now. They're going to need to at some point start making up this ground. And even, even if they lose a couple more, you're also losing time that could be needed to make up ground we mentioned detroit ish smith missed that win over new orleans that's his third straight absence again with this groin issue no timetable there had to imagine it's going to be a fair amount of time that's a, a problem for detroit in that east playoff race when they're basically if we're going to say that brooklyn is now a cut above they've kind of got two teams for four spots the seven and eight seed at the bottom of the east with charlotte miami detroit and the Wizards, I asked, how could I forget the Wizards? Actually, given the highest chance of that group to make the playoffs as of now. In Memphis, uh, Conley and Gasol are going to be available. We're going to talk very extensively about that in just a few minutes. Uh, Jamichael Green also, apparently, uh, someone who could get interest there. Barry Jackson in Miami with the suggestion that we kind of hit on a little bit when we were talking about Philly, that Roddy Magruder is someone that the Heat could look to move, although Barry suggested that they might only get a second back for him, which... She seems a little low to me, frankly. But Magruder, in his third year, older, has a minimum cap hold if he gets traded, will be a restricted free agent. But the Heat really just don't have room under the tax to re-sign him, and they are pretty overloaded on the wing. Not a lot of those guys are pure threes. But if, they're, if they can play Justice Winslow more at point guard, then he can guard the other team's three, and Magruder isn't as important. So I think a team should probably look to grab Magruder, especially because he's got that low cap hold. You could keep him around. And for Portland, Dame Lillard is playing through a hand contusion, although he may sit against Phoenix tonight as we record this. What do you make of Kawhi Leonard now having missed four straight games for quote-unquote load management in which Toronto's 3-1? and They did lose, of course, at D last night. I think it's a good thing that the Raptors are trying to make sure that he's right physically. I It's always hard when it's this nebulous to know whether we should be concerned or we should be happy that they're being judicious, but they've still been successful without him. I think the number last I saw was they're like 17-3 and three or something like that without Kawhi so far this year. They've, they've been doing well, and that really is, is the most important part of this but it is concerning that he needs this much time to deal with whatever it is that is ailing him he is as of now supposed to return on friday and yeah load management is certainly interesting i mean you have to imagine that the only reason you would miss four straight games that's that's beyond the point of oh wow you know you and remember he was supposed to even like start playing in back-to-backs pretty recently and then they decided not to do that the only reason you would miss four straight games, that's not like, oh, you went pretty hard in this game. Like, we're going to give you a time off. The risk of injury is higher. No, I mean, that to me, I don't know this, but I would be shocked if the reason for this is not soreness in that quad. And it's an injury that needs to be managed. I mean, some have even posited that it might be a degenerative condition. You can also just look at it as something that just is kind of going to worsen over time the more and more you play. And then you have to rest it as he uh, did for quite a bit uh, last season. 
I did always feel like he got a little bit of a bad rap. This idea that he like quit on the Spurs last year. I think that was a, a legitimate injury. And the fact that the was deemed to have quit on the Spurs probably did not endear him to anyone in San Antonio or endear anyone in San Antonio to him, maybe more accurately. But this to me is is saying, all right, he's probably he's feeling something in that quad. Maybe it's not severe. Maybe it's if the were the playoffs, he'd be playing type of thing. But you know, perhaps this is something that he's just going to have to deal with the entire rest of his career. I mean, he didn't have a surgery. He did a lot of rehab on it. But it seems like, and I think it's no coincidence, that this happened after that big game against the Celtics where he played a few more minutes than normal. It was a really intense game. And so I, I'm, uh, th- that's my guess is that that's what's going on here. He's got some soreness and they're trying to get him back to where he needs to be. And hopefully being smart about it to where it's like, okay, you weren't feeling the soreness for two weeks and we had it continue to degenerate and continue to degenerate. Instead, oh, at the first sign of soreness, we're now going to sit you out four games. That's probably the way this is going to need to be managed. Uh, what else we got here? It looks like Phoenix will be without DeAndre Ayton for another game, but they also will be getting a lot of money from the city of Phoenix. The The city council approved a $230 million renovation of their arena, which will keep the Suns in the venue through at least 2037. It has been controversial because the city is paying $150 million from its sports facility fund. They had previously postponed a vote, but then it passed on, I think that was Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah, and there was some reporting that Sarver had made some private threats that he would move the team if he didn't get this money. The arena does date back to 1992. The Suns also don't have a practice facility. Sarver committed to build a 25 to $50 million practice facility in the city of Phoenix somewhere, which does inure to the benefit somewhat of Phoenix, just with the construction costs and taxes and whatnot. And the Suns are paying $80 million. That usually seems to be the one-third, two-thirds ratio is about standard. The city owns the building. They're, the Suns are going to increase their lease payments slightly, but the Suns still get the revenue from uh, booking the concerts and stuff like that, the, the non-Suns revenue. So yeah, this is definitely public money. It's going to make Robert Sarver richer. The whole thing about, oh, well, you're not considering the economic benefits. Well, yeah, okay, people are spending money at the bars and restaurants around there but that's probably because they're just not spending money at bars and restaurants in other parts of the city or they're not going to see a movie or whatever like there's little indication i mean unless you're just a suns fan flying in from out of town to see the suns which i'm guessing there are not that many of those maybe a few that you're really adding to the overall economic pie and neutral economists have confirmed this for a long time i I would think you'd be hard pressed to find a study from someone who is did not actually have a stake in the game that concludes that public money for sports stadiums really works and so i am uh, not in favor of that i think that robert sarver if he wants an arena upgrade should just pay for it himself because he's going to get the profits from it the city is uh not going to do that so uh and to be clear this isn't just a suns thing i've made these same comments with the bucks stadium made it in a number pretty much every time this issue comes up well this is an unusual thing while we've been recording i I don't exactly know how to count this in terms of breaking news but karan butler tweeted out that i guess it's this as mark stein put it it's players former players breaking news that spencer dinwiddie has a finger injury a, a ligament issue and a finger and 
and Butler is saying that Dinwiddie will miss four to six weeks, but that he'll um, that he will get other evaluations. So I don't want to really react to it yet because this is weird. Like it's kind of I still am in the process of doing it, but let's keep an eye on Spencer Dinwiddie because he has been a very important part of Brooklyn's recent success. Yeah, that'd be a shame if he has to miss time. He was awesome again uh, the other night in Chicago. Jabari Parker missed Wednesday's game with a right patellar tendon strain, but he's supposed to be good to go coming up. But uh, David Nwaba still out for cleveland he's supposed to maybe come back within the next week or or so they really need some kind of defense on the wing and teams supposedly according to shams he had a really good piece on the athletic i really like when he just kind of aggregates his notebook together there theathletic.com slash cap space is uh the way to sign up there he noted that teams are looking at rodney hood he also noted that the mavericks have discussed dennis smith deals with several teams including orlando chris haynes confirmed that orlando had been in those talks as well if, if you haven't listened to that show yet it's a real good time uh, talking to him new york who famously passed on smith to draft frank nilakina but there are still people in that organization that like him i happen to know that for a fact as well was involved well, and then something else that was in Shams piece was that the Wizards could pivot and look to move Otto Porter more aggressively, which is which is interesting. I mean, that's something that I I wrote a piece for The Athletic a few few weeks ago talking about kind of the ways that they can deal with the situation they're in. And for me, the most straightforward one of those, especially now that it looks like Bradley Beal as an as a bona fide all star is off the market, that Porter makes the most sense if they want to go in those directions, unless they can find a taker for Yamahimi. But that is a different conversation. Yeah, and then Stein reporting today that the Knicks are actively seeking trades for Tim Hardaway Jr. and Courtney Lee, hoping to just get rid of them without attaching an asset. Good luck. And that Ennis Cantor, again, he supposedly was told by Fizdale that he was going to be starting, and then he didn't play at all instead yesterday against the Rockets as Harden dropped uh, 61 points on the Knicks to set a career high. And Eric Gordon dropped the ball in bounds to PJ Tucker, and he decided not to grab it. And the Knicks got a tying layup for some reason. Uh, and then Shams also reporting that Philly is looking for a wing shooter and a center. All that makes sense as well. Muscala is inadequate there. They've been going with Jonah Bolden some at backup center. Amir Johnson, he's pretty cooked defensively at this point. So yeah, they definitely need something behind Joel Embiid. His minutes are out of control, even just for the rest of the regular season, not even so much for the playoffs. And the wing shooter, I mean, I think they have guys, Korkmaz and Shamit, who can shoot, but they don't really have any size. I mean, I think implicit in that is it's someone who can actually play some defense as well. I mean, you really, with Redick out there, you can't have another defensive liability against the best teams in the playoffs. But Philly's fortunes at least are looking up as far as like being able to get out of the first round now uh, with the Soladipo injury, uh, although, you know, saddened that we all are uh, by that. That's actually good news for Philly. Anything else we got here? Just a couple little quick notes. We still are keeping an eye on if there are any possible suspensions from players leaving the bench during the Mason Plumley Derek Favors kerfuffle in the, I believe it was the second quarter of Nuggets Jazz uh-huh. last night. It was weird, but, you know, depending on the interpretation, fortunately for the Nuggets, their next game is against the Phoenix Suns. So, like Damian Lillard potentially sitting, it's not nearly as big a deal if it was against another opponent. Also, I will mention I did a really fun podcast with Adam Maris of Denver Stiffs and, men, and many other sites. Nuggets focused though not exclusively on that that's real jam radio's episode for this week it came out thursday morning yeah at least it isn't during a playoff series so we don't have to listen to fans of the opposing team all of a sudden being all law and order and demanding that the guy gets suspended it's during the regular season so they're not playing the same team again 
Yeah. And then a couple other quick things. Uh, Travis Schlank, general manager of the Atlanta Hawks, said on Tuesday that Kent Bazemore might be back in a couple of weeks. That is another weird thing in terms of timing. Also, that affects potentially their discussions at the trade deadline. Kevin Herter has missed the last two games with a neck issue. We do not have any sort of timeline in a positive or negative direction at the moment. And not surprisingly, they have engaged with with potential trade partners on Bazemore, Dwayne Dedman, and interestingly, have also discussed Torian Prince, who is at a different place in the development contractual process. But if he's not, if they don't see him as potentially part of their core, or maybe that's exploratory conversations and they still have a high asking price, they're just talking. Yeah, Prince is an interesting one. I mean, he hasn't, uh, until Kevin Herter has been out, he hasn't been starting coming back from the ankle injury. He hasn't looked great. He was a draft choice of the previous regime, so it doesn't have that organizational equity. Maybe they feel like he's not good enough defensively to play next to Herter is going to be a liability there. But Prince is also someone who, you know, I mean, I think the thought was he's going to be really good defensively. I don't think that that's really held up so far. Hasn't really shown much ability to play the four either. They haven't tried him there too much. But he he's kind of a young guy where maybe, you know, if you're a Philly, you might say, we're going to be aggressive. We think he's a young veteran who can grow with this team, can defend his position okay enough, can shoot the ball. You know, maybe they would give in their first round pick this year and try and pick him up. I don't know. That's Maybe that's too much. People are quite judicious with the use of first round picks these days i am not judicious about the use of my burrow couch however dunked on is brought to you by burrow and now that the new year has flipped over we realize it's tough to break bad habits or leave a bad relationship but getting rid of that terrible couch that you're just sinking into where the spring is just poking into your butt if you don't sit on it right that's something you probably should do you can start fresh in 2019 with the most comfortable durable and stylish sofa out there from burrow they have this supportive proprietary phone very comfortable to relax on the cats love it it's so durable on the outside as well i mean we don't declaw our cats obviously you shouldn't do that but they're on that all the time it's holding up extremely well it's got a usb charger so if you're in the middle of binge watching but you need to check your phone you don't have to get up and go charge it you can just plug right in right there and it's also got this modular design where you can change the size of your sofa at any time we actually started off with the love seat and then you can buy basically another seat and throw it in the middle of that it doesn't take very long it ships right to you took me about five minutes or so to set it up the shipping is fast and free so now in the new year make a resolution in favor of comfort and convenience and save $75 on a new Burrow sofa by visiting burrow.com slash capspace. That's B-U-R-R-O-W dot com slash capspace. Save yourself $75 on your sofa. Thanks to Burrow for supporting the show and use that slash capspace URL. Let them know that you came from us. Oh man. All right. We got to start with Memphis here, obviously with the news that first Shams had it, that Robert Pira met with Mike Conley and Marcus Gasol let them know that there's a possibility they could be traded. They are now listening to offers. This is kind of the, you know, they've gotten past the denial stage finally. I mean, there's these stages for small market teams trading guys when they kind of need to and rebuild that they just don't want to. You know, first there's the denial stage and then they go into the stage that they're probably at now of completely overvaluing the guys, right? They, You think if you're there, oh man, we can't trade these guys. We can't trade these guys they're so good okay i guess we're not that good we have to trade them but it's going to take an overwhelming offer these guys are franchise icons and so now they're going to get into this the point where it's like well yeah maybe the guys who led your team to being well under 500 actually aren't that valuable and if they were that valuable you wouldn't have to trade them because you'd actually be good and so that's probably the point that they're reaching right now 
talk that they want to move chandler parsons in any deal oh well that'll be easy all you need to take back is 60 million in salary that shouldn't be hard to find that deal uh so that seems unrealistic to me you know gasol is on an expiring contract hasn't really played well since the first month of the season dealing with some you know an ankle issue he's got a lower back issue he's i think going to turn 34 pretty shortly here so uh let's start with gasol first i mean with that 25.6 million dollar player option for next season which you know as you always say he's going to make the right decision on that probably if he plays poorly he picks that up and it's you know it's kind of an albatross if he plays well then he can be a free agent so i mean that's that's almost that player option is worse than if he just were an expiring contract so who needs this guy that's the big problem and just before we get into it these could be important in these conversations memphis is only a little bit under five hundred thousand dollars below the luxury tax and they are not paying the luxury tax and so there are certain trade partners where a deal could make sense for either conley or gasol where memphis sheds 2019 or 18 19 money in the deal but that's a consideration because they're going to need to finish you know by the deadline they'll need to be under that cap for a bunch of different reasons so it's worth considering they have trade exceptions that's less of a deal i mean they can they can do some they're small like 2.4 billion and less so if a player with gasol's salary the using the the 125 percent rule so that basically means that you can take take back 25 percent more a team would need to unless they have cap space include 19.3 million in salary in a deal just for gasol of course if you add in other players for any any number of reasons then that number goes higher and you're right right to bring up the the need question and so the two things, and this will be consistent for a couple of the different players we talk about. The questions that I think of in my head are, who needs a center or Gasol specifically, and who thinks that Gasol will make the difference for them? Because just needing a center is very different from needing Marc Gasol and thinking that he makes the difference. And so the team that, I'm not saying that I'm advocating for this, but the first, like when I went through the whole ro- the whole NBA list and rosters and everything like that, the first team that really stuck out to me was the Sacramento Kings. And that's probably counterintuitive for a lot of people. People, but they check a lot of boxes for me. A team where a quality that uses reliably, that uses big men. There's obviously a connection between Jay Vieger and Marcus Sol. Not the coach who he got, who he ran out of the out of the building, which is also useful. But also because <laughs> Sacramento is trying to compete this year. We've we've heard that from a few different sources recently. They've been encouraged by their shocking success so far this year, and they are a team where whatever Marcus Sol decides in the summer of 2019, they can work with it. If he opts in, so be it. They have so much cap space, they don't even probably know what to do with all of it. And Vlade, you know, has a connection with with European bigs in particular. I mean, we've seen that we've seen that before. And they, as I said, they use centers. So I think Sacramento is a fascinating potential thing here. The problem with Sacramento is that they don't have a ton in the way of assets that they're willing to move. So if Memphis starts stepping down on their price, then I think Sacramento could be an interesting one. But they're also going to be in the mix for friggin' everybody because they have cap space and they have a capacity to take on multi-year salary, which so many other teams do not. Yeah, and one thing that Sacramento really does offer is, you know, Memphis really can't take back more than Gasol's salary. So, because they're so close to the tax, which they will not, under any circumstances, be paying with this group. So, Sacramento has that twelve million in space. They could send back, you know, even only about thirteen million, should they want to, and that could really just help Memphis save actual cash. Yeah, you know, I mean, because one of the things is when you're close to the tax, you're also just a less profitable team. And, you know, I, I'm guessing their, I mean, revenue sharing will help, but 
they're probably going to be close to losing money this year. They're just not going to want to overall be as expensive of a group going forward. So they've got that as well. But yeah, I think that where you run into it here is the price. And, you know, certainly Fox, Bogdanovich, Heald, those guys are going to be off the table. Perhaps Willie Cauley-Stein could be in the deal if Memphis wanted to value his restricted rights, thinks he could be an okay fit as an athletic guy. Maybe they could go to more of a switching group with Jaron Jackson. Now, the Kings are not going to give up a first, almost certainly. I mean, they don't know where they're at right now. They don't have that pick in 2019, so they need to, you can't lose any more draft capital. And the other thing for the Kings is just, yeah, Gasol would be a nice fit, but they're right at 500 right now. And they've lost a few Fox and Bielitsa were out. I'm not sure if they're coming back imminently here or not, but they're given a 3% chance of making the playoffs right now by 538. And yeah, this has been a real feel-good story for them. Divots did say, no, we're not going to try and short-circuit the rebuilding. We're going to try and take on more future assets. So, and there's no way that, I mean, I think, easily just having to pay parsons contract for next year in and of itself is more negative than gasol is positive i think memphis would have to throw more into the deal there and so we're going to talk about other potential destinations but when you're talking about trading a franchise icon and just the negative press and feeling that comes from that it's tough to really see a deal there i mean maybe harry giles could could be involved maybe scal could be involved but you know those are not guys who are moving the needle for you if you're memphis to the point where you want to take on the bad press of having to move a guy like gasol now getting off of his potential opting in next year as they try to rebuild maybe that's worth something if he opts in next year then maybe you could try to trade him again next year that's a possibility but it's you see why it's so difficult and you know a big part of that is nobody not that many teams need centers and not that many teams necessarily need traditional centers you mentioned Sacramento. i mean they're one of the few teams where he would like clearly help them but i don't i still don't think it's like worth it for them to push for the eighth seed by making the deal and giving up anything a no you know if they could do it for the type of price we're talking about sure but i don't really see why memphis would want to do that they might as well just hold on to the guy at that point and that's the problem for memphis because there aren't that many teams that are really interested in the center or that they'll move the needle a lot i mean theoretically maybe washington could be interested if they think gasol represents a serious upgrade on thomas bryant but they have their own financial considerations so it would probably probably involve Jan Mahinmi in the deal and that that brings a whole bunch of other stuff in play and I don't expect that and then the teams that I I had in the kind of the outside shot category Dallas still uses centers he could fit with Luca you know I can think of a sales pitch there similar thing with Atlanta with Atlanta well well Dallas real quickly I mean you know again like this guy can be a free agent if you're not pushing for the playoffs this year which i think dallas is out of that now i would say so hawks are out of that now knicks are out of that now. i mean and you know you might say okay hey if you opt in we'll do the deal but why would gasol do that especially if it's in a destination he doesn't want to be in he's probably going to want to the flexibility if he's going to opt out he's going to do it because he wants to win and go to a, a winning situation not necessarily for a financial game yeah, so there just really aren't that many good good fits for him. But now we can move to the player who I think is has substantially more. Well, options. all right. So, so prediction: Does he get traded or not? No, I don't think he I does. Agree. I, I think I Memphis agree. holds firm and that nobody nobody makes an offer even really close to what they're willing to do. Treating him as a meaningful positive is, I think it's too hard because of the need, the lack of need for centers. It's harder to make that pitch for him than for Mike Conley. Yeah, and, and again, I mean, some of the teams that might move for him, you mentioned, like, because if you're good, you already have someone that's good or better than Gasol or he just doesn't really fit in with your group. Uh, 
at center and so there's no point i mean maybe if you're trying to chase the eight seed and you just happen to be in that feeling you know the wizards are kind of like the sacramento of the east in that regard but the wizards you know they need all their future flexibility going forward they've traded so many first round picks they don't want to trade a first round pick i don't think for gasol so you can get into the playoffs with the eighth seed here they're not in double down mode at this point in time so it's really it's tough to find where that group is where because none of the really good teams is he going to be a huge upgrade for so yeah i agree i think he just doesn't get traded but yeah you wanted to turn to conley now yeah so this is mike conley's age 31 season he is owed 32 and a half million for next year and then has an early termination option for 2020 21 that is worth 34.5 million so using his current salary because that's when he'd be traded memphis would have to receive or more accurately the other team would have to send at least 24.4 million in the trade to do it for jess conley and that number of course goes higher if they add in anything else for the trade the big difference here though is that a lot more teams need could use whatever word you want to use a point guard than a center i it's hard because the team that i had singled out as like the most kind of logical fit not necessarily from a salary perspective but from a kind of a fit perspective was the indiana pacers conley is from indiana he'd be a fascinating fit with victor oladipo i think that ship has sailed at least for this league year because they don't know where victor oladipo is physically and because the value of having mike conley locked in right now doesn't really help them as much because yeah maybe he makes you a better you know better five seed or a better four seed but their future is brighter than their present now i see your point there i still actually think i would be interested if i were indiana because you're getting him for two more years now and they have two free agent point guards already coming up this is not last year's market you're probably gonna have to overpay to get a solution there they need someone who can be a primary pick and roll guy now and i think conley even you know he's playing at close to an all-star level still this season he's gonna be 31 this offseason turns 32 in October, but Conley on a two-year, $60 million deal basically might be better than what they can do. Now, one problem is they don't really have any kind of bad contracts to send back. The salary matching becomes difficult with Indiana, and then you also wonder what asset is going to have to go back. I guess they've got, if they wanted to go with Evans and Collison and Kyle O'Quinn, you could probably get there. Maybe Memphis could throw in a couple of minimum salaries to just make the roster spots match so no one has to get waived. And then I think, you know, Indiana might be able to say, you know, there'd be underdogs probably, but I'm not sure that Oladipo is playing at a better level than Conley so far this year. You know, I think they actually, if you look at it from that standpoint, yeah, they lost Oladipo. You wouldn't be making an upgrade, but they still were looking pretty good before that. So you can kind of say, hey, we're going to get back to the level that we would have been with Oladipo. And then Oladipo comes back next year. We've got a better use of our 30 million in cap space and especially because you still have conley under contract now you can use the bird rights on young to re-sign him you could maybe use the bird rights on bogdanovich who they'll keep around as well it could start to get a little pricey with turner's extension kicking in but then the question becomes you know who are you going to put into the trade are you going to do all right one first rounder that's a start that's probably not enough for memphis uh, i'm guessing would you do a first rounder and sabonis i could see indiana kind of thinking that that's too much i i've happened to think that sabonis while he's really good is also kind of replaceable as like a finishing pick and roll center in the second year it wouldn't be you wouldn't get someone as good as him but uh, there's also a concern too that you put Sabonis in the trade and then you lose Thaddeus Young in the offseason and now you have nothing at power forward but they'll, they would still have some room 
even with Conley, uh, to be able to go and get someone uh, on the free agent market to fill in that role. So I think I would still very seriously consider it if I were Indiana. There's a parallel between Indiana and Utah in particular as these franchises that have spending flexibility in the summer of 2019, but you could sell them on Mike Conley because odds are they're not going to get a newcomer that is better than him. And so, yes, those teams do have cap space, but it's kind of a mystery box type of circumstance. It could be anything, maybe even somebody like Mike Conley. So that that could be here. Maybe you could make the argument of the same thing for Orlando, but the argument that I'd be making for Orlando if I were Memphis is a little bit more stark. It's that you need somebody like Mike Conley and players of his caliber are not available, especially at the price point that Orlando is going to have the power to, to spend. You know, they Kemba Walker is on the market. Kemba Walker is probably not going to Orlando. So then you get into those conversations. They could be an interesting team yeah then then, uh orlando could basically have the exact same team as memphis except it would be vucevic instead of gasol but better on offense worse on on defense but that would have to mean they thought they could resign vucevic and you know conley certainly doesn't fit much with their timeline Uh, and i would imagine he's not particularly interested just in going there um and again you know you've got some teams in here for example the suns where they're out of it now and so you're you're paying a premium value when you're basically getting zero value the rest of this year and that's the best season that he has remaining like that's if it's an out of the playoffs type of team like that gets a little bit tough um you mentioned the wolves i think that's that's one i would consider i mean i wonder you think there's any chance that like wiggins for conley is something that the grizz would consider oh man is is it possible that they're like enough of a believer in him to do that well guys that have a high usage and a lower than 55 percent true shooting can sometimes benefit in per but god i mean to me wiggins contract is significantly worse like oh yeah it's awful yeah, it's 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 not even the circumstance of like let's say what the Maverick like with Harrison Barnes because they're committed to oh god it's I, I maybe I mean I don't know if that's and what, necessarily... what if Minnesota put in a first round draft pick oh man interesting to think about isn't it oh yeah oh it, it definitely is and then the other group so yeah if we want to kind of take out some of the teams that are not really in the playoff picture this year they're not getting that sort of value I'll I'll rattle through some quickly Milwaukee if they prefer Connolly to Bledsoe could be compelling the problem there is also that Conley is owed a lot of money and so that would make it harder for them to pivot in case Middleton leaves or in case those guys come back but they want a lot of money New Orleans would be a huge risk it's also their filler salary gets a little bit tough because you'd be losing guys that actually really help their team but I mean Conley would really help them and that's you know kind of the idea of maybe what Gail Benson said of like trying to get better guys around Anthony Davis could go in that in that realm and then the other kind of group of teams I think they're either asset poor or they just it doesn't really fit together like Philly it'd be fascinating like that would be a really fun team I don't expect them to give up what would be necessary they would also sacrifice some flexibility San Antonio doesn't really have that kind like they don't have the filler salary they don't really have the asset base and then similar stories with Miami and Detroit both teams that would love to have Mike Conley but just don't really have the means to acquire him in a vacuum if you're Memphis what's just enough in terms of a return I think we, I think we can throw out the idea of getting off of Parsons I think there's just like nobody has 60 million dollars in salary or 
you know, I think it would be it would be eighty percent of like fifty five million. So you know, forty five million dollars in salary, basically. Like nobody has that to send back. Like that just it's too difficult. And then calibrating the value of like, oh, I want to get I got to get off of Parsons and I want to get an asset back as well. I mean that that gets pretty difficult. So, but just in, so we'll throw Parsons out of there. But just in general, is one first round pick enough to do it? It would have to have some pretty severe upside to me. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? I've rambled for too long here. I was thinking like a first round pick, which given the teams that would be interested would probably be a mid to late first round pick. And then a player of some interest, you know, not a, not like a, an absolute rotate, like a, a low rotation player, but maybe somebody who has like starter potential, but not starter certainty. I, I was trying to think about whether Kelly, I think Kelly Oubre is probably too good if he's the, if theoretically the additional piece, you know, like that. So I'm trying to think of like the right kind of guy here. Like TJ Leaf is not good enough, but Aaron Holiday, if you're already sending in a first round pick might be, might be too much if, if Indiana's high on him, but that's kind of the realm that I would be in. And with Conley, there is the difference that for Memphis, if they are really pivoting, it, it opens up their books more because then if we assume that Connolly was going to pick up his ETO, then they can really, Memphis can, maybe they have to be a little bit more stagnant in the 2019-20 season. But then starting in July of 2020, they're pretty much free and clear of any negative stuff that would be on their books. Not saying they'll go in any great directions because they're still a small market team and everything else, but at least they would have the freedom to do whatever. Yeah, and I'm not sure that a middling first and a reserve wing type of prospect is enough again to get it done for memphis now the other compounding factor here of course is the pick that they owe to boston and maybe they just shut everyone down and tank and keep that pick this year maybe they decide they just don't want the draft remember of course that that pick protected in the top eight this year top six next year unprotected 2021 if you move conley and you talked about this how close they are to keeping that pick maybe some teams below them could jump up but you know they're looking at being right on the borderline and keeping it if they move conley they probably would just start losing like absolute grace they already kind of are so probably more likely not to keep that pick but then top six protected next year you're talking about being right on the borderline there again and then obviously if it rolls over to 2021 and it's unprotected it's just hard to construct a scenario in which these guys are going to be better enough that that's not just massive pain losing that pick in 2021 if you move on from Colin Gasol so there's also I think a feeling that simply by getting rid of the obligation you hold on to Conley and Gasol Conley you could always move in the summer his value might be a reasonable amount less he's probably not going to play as much the rest of the year he's probably not going to play as well the rest of the year the stink of a bad season would be on him more maybe Gasol leaves it in free agency this summer or not but so that's that's another component here but there I think if you are of the belief that they want to get rid of that obligation now which I think makes sense to get want to get rid of that obligation now because you just it's really going to limit what you can do going forward in terms of just trying to rebuild so maybe keeping them has value simply in helping you keep or helping you get rid of the pick this year but the, the, they're playing so bad right now it almost it may not even matter what, what do you think of that you, since you love pick protection i get where you're coming from but it's also you know it's a top a pick you know that that's going to be a player that can help you be a part of the foundation with jaron jackson jr so you you bring up i think a better argument than you usually hear from this if the, I, it's kind of the, it's the argument yeah. that a team will never make where it's like we might be even worse later on so we might as well <laughs> we might as well get rid of it now and that argument 
argument is far more persuasive to me than some of the other ones. Yeah. But it's, I mean, this bird is pretty close to the hand, especially if you get that. But I, the way I would probably play it is figure out where you calibrate the value. And as you said, I think Conley can be moved in the summer. So figure out like kind of where your line in the sand is. And if nobody meets it, totally fine keeping keeping him around and then they could be the bizarre team where if they are on the borderline like let's say they're somewhere seven eight nine you might in that narrow circumstance try to win your last couple games to get out of it but if you can fall to like six or something well then that's that's a meaningfully better thing and with lottery odds i wrote about this a little bit in my projection primer for the for the mavs the sixth pick i think it is has like a 30 i think it's a 31 percent chance of getting into the top couple picks like that's pretty good so yeah. maybe at that point then the benefit the benefit is worth the cost and you go in that direction so yeah i would kind of set a set a line whatever that is and then with with conley and then with gasol i would be more enthusiastic about just getting out of it because there's there are ways that conley could be a part of this future more cleanly than gasol if only because their best young player plays the same position to me as Gasol. Yeah, it's really interesting here because almost always I would say, hey, just tank tank this here, keep your pick. You know for sure you're going to keep it and you never know what's going to happen in the future. But with this team, I think we can be pretty goddamn sure about what's going to happen in the future. They are going to be bad. If you can't be good this year, it's only going to get worse. Maybe you could say, you know, it was so weird to me that they traded for Holiday instead of trying to get another playmaker. Maybe you could say, hey, you know what? With Conley on the floor, they actually haven't sucked that bad. And you keep him around and in this market, at least keeping a franchise icon around and winning 35 games. And then you you give up the 10th pick next year because, and now we've actually have gotten a, a decent backup point guard. So we're not going to just get completely housed whenever Conley's on. But maybe that's how you get to being better next year than you are this year but you know that seems pretty unlikely it seems like it's just going to continue to go downhill and Conley's probably not going to play an all-star level next year given his age uh another deal I think they should really look and see if they can move uh Justin Holiday for two second round picks you think that that deal might be available it'll be hard if if they're trying to get a team that's not in the playoffs I mean maybe you could do it that was a joke I know, I know. That's I, why I was I, trying to get at the that. Not only that, but the the picks they gave up are going to be good picks. Oh yeah, no, that was that like was just. Bu- I mean, one of number one because the ship had already sailed as far as making the playoffs when they made that trade. Number two because it just didn't even address their primary need, which was another playmaker. And number three because the guy they got isn't any good. He's now uh, eight out of thirty-seven on three-pointers, shooting twenty-nine percent. And no, this we were singing this soon at the time. He obviously he'll shoot a little better on threes going for it but uh but they could look to move him he can't be aggregated uh but he might have some value for another team maybe you could get one of those seconds back at least a crappy one um you, given how poorly he's played they'd probably be, even be lucky there there are other expiring contracts in this team if they are gonna sell Colleen Gasol or even not you know they've still got Garrett Temple eight million dollar expiring contract that they could perhaps try to get something for they've got Jamichael Green as well who'll be an unrestricted free agent both those guys making uh, around eight million Green as some of those reported there could be some interest in uh, by Shams and I think he he's actually shooting it pretty well from three this year and his athleticism has declined but he's someone I mean I think he would actually help Philly for example like he, he would be uh, a decent fit there to kind of you know be another guy like Wilson Chandler like those guys are somewhat similar players at this point in their career Green is probably a little bit better defensively a little better help defender can, can we mention the shooter. cruel irony that 
Garrett Temple was probably thrilled to leave Sacramento for Memphis oh, yeah. to be on a potential playoff contender, and then he leaves, and now Sacramento is better than Memphis. Yeah, although he wouldn't have played there, but nonetheless. Right, but the, the point the point stands. Like, oh, wow, it's tough. Anything else to say uh, on these guys here? Well, I guess we should pick most likely to be traded. I, oh. Temple. I think it's Temple. Yeah, temp- Temple's a good call. I was going to say maybe or Maybe, maybe Green. it's Green. Yeah, actually, I think it's I think Green actually more, because I think he'll be more in demand. I would say Green, then Temple. And, and do you agree Conley is as well uh more likely than not that he is not traded yeah i would go under 50 percent. i'd be yeah off the top of my head i'd be well you know somewhere between like 20 and 30 percent yeah but i think i do believe it is more likely that he gets traded than gasol do you agree with that yeah i do i and and just because because there's more teams that are gonna want him they're just yeah it only takes one but it's a lot easier to find one for a point guard yeah no i mean there are a lot of teams that he would be a big upgrade for and like and and teams that are good too i mean utah and indiana both of those teams he would be a big upgrade he would actually help them win this year and then he's under contract for two more years so i would be looking very seriously at him if i were utah and indiana but it is worth noting that conley is going to be making 34 million a couple years from now like he's going to be a bad contract but it's worth noting that whoever you're going to sign in free agency probably now is back to being a bad contract i mean most contracts that are signed in free agency for multiple years for big money are bad unless it's a max guy so with that being the case you know conley might be a better option there and he has maintained his performance through this as age 31 season i think better than anticipated i mean you remember when that contract was signed he was coming off missing a bunch of time with the achilles then last year he had the achilles surgery as well so there is some injury risk there to be sure uh but i mean he's played better i think than anyone would have imagined so far this season and that that is a concern so all of those things the salary the age the injury history that's why i think if you could get the first rounder and that kind of lower level prospect and not take back salary that's too shitty i think that would be a good deal for Memphis in terms of just the asset play but is it worth trading the franchise icon to get something like that and eh, you know maybe not we can Oof. move to we can well, move here, to- let, now let's move uh let's move to talking about a new sponsor just in time for valentine's day homesick candles their unique scents reflect all u.s states and dozens of cities around the world they're a thoughtful way to tell the story of your relationship's journey they have this new first kiss candle that lets you celebrate the spot where you shared your first kiss and we know that smell is the most powerful sense when it comes to memory and so it's all about the story of your relationship that you can tell with these candles you can use that first kiss candle go to homesick.com and check out their first kiss finder to pick out yours they even have college editions if you met in college perhaps and they come in this really awesome box that's nice enough that you can just tie a bow around it you don't have to wrap it which as possibly the world's worst present wrapper my sister and my wife have bestowed that title upon me and i think it's well earned that was something that i would appreciate for valentine's day they also have their rose scented candle called love which comes in uh, their classic size and then right now for every classic size or three wick candle that you purchase you're getting a free mini candle of your choice Pick your favorite memories and candles, add them to your cart, and for each classic or three-wick, you can add your choice of any mini candle for free. All you have to do is enter that familiar code CAPSPACE at checkout to let them know that you came from us. This offer is only available until February 15th, so that's good in case you're uh, a little late on Valentine's Day. You get one extra day there. That's homesick.com 
promo code cap space to let them know that you came from us all right now uh, let's move to dallas we've talked quite a bit about some dennis smith possible destinations we talked about that earlier today so i don't know that we need to spend that much time on him i think you've heard those thoughts uh, elsewhere i think we've both been pretty clear that it's going to be tough to get equal value smith that returned on tuesday against the clippers played pretty well rick carlisle was over the top effusive it's always funny to me the mavs in particular will always do this like when they get some sort of a negative pr issue they're just like so completely over the top it's not quite dave yeager saying oh we got the next westbrook and durant in fox and marvin bagley but it's like pretty close to that uh, the way he's been going out of his way to try to mend the bridge and that's something that probably needed to be done anyway i'm not sure though if the deal's gonna happen the trade deadline maybe they'll look to revisit that in the summer see how he plays the rest of the year it seems like they're pretty much accepted the reality that they're out of it now 20 and 26 they got a lot of teams ahead of them so what are you looking for with these guys so i mean there are a couple of clarifying questions that their front office needs to be asking themselves one One of them is how do they want to handle 2019? I mean, currently, if they theoretically let DeAndre Jordan and Wes Matthews go, they would have about 50 million in space. Do they want that much space? Do they want to do something different? Would they be better off going after 2020? 2020 is when Harrison Barnes, if he picks up his option, that's when he will come off because he has that lucrative player option for next year. And Dwight Powell has a player option as well. You know, maybe he, maybe I, I, I he's under contract. I, I believe he's, it's an option. He's he's going to pick it up. Yeah, to 10.3 million. So maybe they end up saying we can we could hold off, but again, that might be something where supply dictates it. You know, if a player the right players don't say yes, then maybe they go in that direction. So Dallas, but whatever they can decide on early is probably beneficial for them. And specifically there, I'm thinking of Harrison Barnes. There have been these rumors that Sacramento is interested in him. If Dallas feels that they won't, they're comfortable with Harrison Barnes picking up his option, by all means, they can, they can keep him. They have plenty of cap flexibility either way. But if they're, you know, not, not super enthusiastic about that, I think they should look at moving him if there's a, if there's a worthwhile price. And then it's kind of the same story with Dennis Smith. They don't have to make a move right now, but it feels like things are going in the direction where it'd be better to do it now if you know that they're not going to be part of their of your future yeah barnes is an interesting one because if you do trade him there's talk that sacramento is really interested vivek i think was still involved with the warriors when they drafted him and so he's uh, rumored to always love anyone who's associated with the warriors but i think barnes actually is someone who could help the kings as a, a foreman of the future you could play bagley at the five then in theory or maybe even as a three barnes you know does have at least some size on the wing i guess they probably would be more likely looking at him as a three but he could play some four for them also and he's another one of those guys where yeah you know you might say 25 million is he worth that is he gonna get that maybe not but he's also that might be a better use of the king's cap space going forward the only problem is he might say i don't want to be in sacramento adios i'm opting out and i'll try to find you know a longer deal for 18 million a year or somewhere or 15 million i mean barnes is his value is going to be interesting i mean he's not gonna have the same value as in 2016 for a while it looked like maybe he was living up to that contract a little bit the first year but now uh, that's no longer the case he hasn't been shooting it very well this year he's got some iso abilities okay defensive player but you know an average guy at that spot probably and so the 25 million is going to be a little bit a little rich there so he's an interesting one i think it if you were Dallas, would you simply just move him for nothing from the Kings? Just get back and expiring and 
use the king's cap space to take him on you know get back kufos and you know or zach randolph or whoever i think i would that just allows dallas to try more things in the summer of 2019 whether it's long term or short term they can just go after a series yeah. of different options and luca yeah. is you know you have time to, to figure this out and i like I've, I've mentioned this before from a team building perspective having somebody who's you know six seven six eight and can handle the ball like he can you can go in a lot of different directions and so if they feel like harrison barnes is not a like he's, he doesn't fit super well or he's not a part of their future then you know you could throw an extra 10 million or a, you know throw a flyer at somebody whatever you're going to do i think it would help Wes matthews is the other one who really i think could help a lot of teams still an okay shooter okay defender he'd look great i think in a philly uniform interesting too that philly if i were philly i might even be interested in like sala Mesri or even like maxi klepa i mean how good would maxi klepa look in a philly uniform right so now what's the price there if you're philly i if i were them i would give up my first round pick and trade you know mascala and amir johnson and oh god i guess fultz would have to be in the deal huh yeah that's that's their problem they don't have much salary matching maybe wilson chandler could go back they probably would want to keep him but maybe there's someone else that uh, on dallas's roster who could kind of fill that role a little bit but yeah kleba dorian finney smith i mean those are guys for philly maybe you would even be if you're philly you might even like be willing to say fultz and a first for west matthews finney smith and kleba and you know throw in the the matching salary what do you think of that deal who's who who is getting more value in that deal i think dallas is but kleba is what makes this a lot harder because i really like him and having yeah. and finney smith has been good too man yeah, he's been shooting sure. the ball well and both well. of those guys have value specifically to philadelphia because they have low cap holds and are restricted free agents yeah yeah so it then doesn't, it doesn't mess up your i mean you could even look to resign west as well potentially i mean to get three rotation guys who are all pretty good i mean that's that is exactly two of whom you know can guard on the wing all of them can shoot okay like that's exactly the kind of deal to me that philly needs now fultz and smith that's not that's not a great combination either but maybe you could try to rehabilitate him and you know you could uh, just see what you have uh, with fultz i mean if fultz could ever shoot again yeah all right he could probably play with smith i guess uh but i mean i think it would really be more about the pick at that point could well, throw and you'd be, you'd be buying too. pretty damn low on fultz so if you got some you know if you were able to rehab him and while he's a bad fit with dennis smith and arguably with full fultz is with luca as as it stands right now you know if he can get his jump shot back he could actually be a fast fit with him it's the same idea that philly was going for early on but it's at a low cost you know rick carlisle has done well with point guards and their their cupboard is actually pretty thin right now at at the one because jaylee have jalen brunson but then jj Barea unfortunately is out for the year you know maybe i don't think he'll be back on the team at least early on next year so maybe having just having more irons in the fire could be a worthwhile thing for the way that carlisle uses you know three point guards at minimum regularly in the rotation i really like that deal i think that it's I'm probably higher on Finney Smith and Kleba than a lot of people. I might even be higher than West than a lot of people. But yeah, I mean, to me, that's... And, you know, you have to talk about the protection on that pick and what year as well. well. And remember that Philly would still have their mid-level to use they could still add depth on top of that i mean right. so you could you could build a pretty interesting yeah, and yeah. and their feeling now has to shift a little bit with what happened in indiana that making it you know getting the three seed isn't as urgent now as it would have been before yeah we actually just talked about that a couple of days ago right where i mean they still could have a tough matchup in the first round against sure. the indiana but uh no i mean i think this would make them a lot better even solimetry i think would give them better minutes than any of the backup centers that they have so far could play a similar scheme with Embiid. Uh, he's always always fun to watch. 
he gets into like one spat per game any other west destinations here i mean i guess it probably makes more sense to just talk about him in the context of those teams when we get to them but let's say you're just moving west i mean is that first round pick is obviously way too much there so you know what, what are you getting back matching the salary could be a little difficult probably a, a decent second rounder but you know a lot of those teams that are actually good that could use him don't have those kind of second rounders they also don't have that kind of expiring salary i mean that's another yeah. big maybe you get a first round pick by taking on something maybe it's not the full value of west that's undesirable i mean if i were dallas considering they're looking at something like 50 million if you could take on 10 to 15 and get a first out of it like a decent like not not like the bottom you know like 26 to 30 i'd consider that too yeah another conception is maybe you just don't have to include west matthews in that philly deal maybe you just do the first for kleba and finney smith and you know, send back Muscala. Uh, maybe that's maybe that's it to still just get to just get two rotation players at that price who have those small cap holds who are going to be restricted free agents and are going to be good the next couple of years. I mean, both those guys are older restricted free agents. I think Phoenix must be twenty five, Kleba twenty seven. So you can grab those guys right in their prime, get them on those depressed value restricted free agent contracts. I, I would even think about doing it. Then again, I'm much higher on Finney Smith uh, and Kleba than perhaps uh, Philly is. Anything else on these guys? What else do we have to talk about? I think that's about it, right? Yeah, we'll mention that their pick is top five protected. So, and and, it, and I can't remember honestly the protections after that, but it's it, it's going to be a low, a relatively low chance of conveying, even if they end up at like the sixth worst record. The and most likely player to be traded for the Mavericks. I mean, it kind of has to be Dennis Smith just because there's already a fair amount of smoke there. But uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Wes. Okay. Wes could also just be a buyout guy too. Potentially, he could be. It, it's just hard to move an expiring salary that big. Like you have to. Yeah, kind of have to want something different. There aren't that many of them around the league. Yeah, because they're not going to want to take on anything longer. Right. So let's jump to the Rockets. The Rockets have probably made their big trade moves already. They're now after the Fareed signing 7.6 million over the luxury tax. They have a bunch of trade exceptions, which it sounds unlikely that they're going to use during this league year. They also have about 4 million of their mid-level that could be used for buyout candidates. And they only have about a little bit less than 600,000 in cash remaining after the two moves with the Bulls. And previously they gave money to the aforementioned Mavericks for Onuwaku. So we're getting closer to just having having Houston be spoken for. So as of now, tax payment is in the 11 million or so range. I haven't updated my sheet for the mellow move yet, but actually I can just do that right now. Yeah. $10.8 million tax payment, it looks like, but that's going to go up a little bit once they sign some more guys. And actually, I mean, the, the Nunnally waiver, I got to do a few things on my sheet here, but the, those are the approximate numbers. For a team that's actually contending, it's not crazy to take on a little bit more. You imagine that the buyout market will be kind to these guys given the fact that they do have money to spend and that there are a number of holes in their roster where they can offer playing time, especially with Capella out in the interim. What do these guys need right now? Just anybody with a pulse who can be in the rotation? Yeah, but once Capella comes back, I think they're, they'll be okay-ish at center. They got Fareed now. So wings, wings, wings. That's what they're looking for, I suppose. Yeah, especially with Austin Rivers looking like a, a stable part of the rotation, and they'll get Chris Paul back at some point relatively soon. So as long as he can stay remotely healthy, they'll have guard rotation will be pretty spoken for, and they'll extend into the three with Eric Gordon being back as well. So they can wing 
wings are really the thing. And, and the, the line of distinction will be guys that they can at least have a reasonable shot of playing in high leverage series. High leverage series for the Rockets could start as soon as the first round, but they need like players that aren't really playoff caliber don't really provide them much value. They can find those guys. So the type of trade that I'm thinking about, the main conception here is Brandon Knight making 15.6 million next year, 14.6 million this year for a player who has a similar length of contract, similar type of money, but can actually help them. And obviously the one that Chris talked about yesterday and that we've been talking about is Knight for Bazemore and they would likely have to throw in their first rounder where is their pick gonna land Eh, you know it's gonna kind of be in the 20s maybe maybe what they would say is all right we're gonna top 20 protect this pick and we'll roll it over to next year potentially i mean i think daryl has always been very crafty with pick protection and so you could see them saying all right right on the borderline here and if this doesn't work then we're gonna roll it over to next year and you know again we'll top 20 protected and if we go three years and for some reason we're not in the uh top 10 teams in the league three years in a row then you know it's going to turn into some seconds which they have i think all of except for one possible pick swap that they have other than their first rounders they really have absolutely nothing in terms of assets to throw in i mean even their seconds are going to be pretty low at this point and so i mean i think of first when you throw in the value of baysmore overnight and then also the fact that the hawks would have to take on dead salary you know i think again the protection there would be very interesting you know once you get into a pick that could be higher than 20 or better than 20 i should say then maybe that gets to be a little bit too much to give up there now the hawks also might have other guys they could throw in as well so when they're expiring contracts but then the salary matching becomes a little more difficult and also the tax issue where they're taking on more money becomes a little more difficult i'm sure that houston would have some interest in deadman you have to say although you know how much is deadman really going to play in the playoffs like that's kind of more of a regular season thing jeremy lynn makes too much money i think to make the the math work you know if they, maybe they could get deadman and send out an a marquise chris obviously making 3.2 so that could maybe there's a way if you wanted to throw in the first and maybe you lower the protection on that a little bit and now you're going to get Bazemore and deadman and maybe deadman would play more than i'm giving credit for with his three-point shooting so that might be it i mean i think the hawks are a very logical trade partner here for houston and it's just how many players are going to be in on either side what's the the asset going to the hawks and what other offers are on the table for Atlanta's kind of unusual situation that'll be worth watching as well. One other thing to mention for Houston is that they probably don't have enough cash left to offload Marquise Chris. It's hard to imagine a team saying, oh, that we want to roll the dice on him and take on the financial the financial element of that. So maybe they're just going to have to end up kind of eating yeah. that money, the, which would that be That dice is covered in ones. So many ones. So yeah, that's going to be, that, that'll be limiting. Fortunately for Houston, they have all their own first. They do owe their 2020, 2019, sorry, the current second round pick. So that'll be worth watching as well. Most likely player to be traded now that Melo's gone. I'm going to go with Brandon Knight just because he clearly doesn't fit within really any of their timetables. So, I mean, if somebody's going to go, he seems like the most logical. Yeah, and given where they are, I think it would be a massive missed opportunity if they don't make their first round pick available with Knight and just get the best player that they can get who expires in 2020 making that type of money. And Bazemore certainly is an obvious fit. I, I, you know, Bazemore is a little, he's a little small to guard Kevin Durant on a switch, which bothers me a little bit. But, you know, he's a decent Steph Curry defender with his length, can shoot the three, good driver off of closeouts, good transition player. I think that there's a lot to be said for adding him. And then if you can, 
also get a deadman as well then it, i think it gets to be pretty good for them um, i mean any other players i mean on, on that list of le- that you think might move for night that are kind of similarly situated none that really stick out to me now what about a terrence ross he at least expires do the magic want to take on another year of night you know that that's for, for what's probably not going to be a great asset i i don't think that yeah. i would yeah and, and let's see what other like houston houston sweeteners just aren't, yeah. aren't strong enough courtney lee maybe is another one and hey and actually that would be that actually fast, right? that is a little bit more compelling well and and here's why it is even more it's like i mean obviously new york's gonna get kd if he wants to go there regardless but hey greasing the skids get kd out of the conference isn't all bad but i i'm, I'm just not sure that lee can help them though is the problem he, he may be done yeah we don't know garrett temple could be another one maybe uh, from memphis although he's expiring temple seems like maybe more of a buyout type of guy maybe they could just give up a second for him and throw in chris and an a something like that maybe um yeah just looking at some of the teams uh, that are out of it west matthews i don't see dallas wanting to take back night maybe they'd do it for the pick who knows that but i think they want to maintain their cap space aspirations robin lopez we've talked about isn't really a scheme fit for them cleveland doesn't really have anyone too sexy that they would be interested in i don't think all right i think we're probably done with them let's uh move to the pelicans wow another team this is this division is just ridiculous here (laughs) we at the start of this we planned on doing two divisions like what the hell are we talking about we're like an hour and a half in <laughs> well we ha- we kind of had to do this the southwest considering what yeah what is on the table no, i mean there's the recent reporting i mean new orleans is another one they're gonna be you know chris said they you know that they're they're if there isn't there should be a level of desperation there i mean we probably even would be remiss if we're not gonna at least discuss the idea of them moving ad at this point in time if you know thing even over this next week if things continue to go wrong and maybe that trade request does it in fact get made so yeah we're, we're gonna get to that momentarily now that i've adequately teased it but i have to tell you that i am starving right now which is hopefully going to make my read for postmates all the better who else could you ask to bring you red wine at 4 p.m i'm not going to quite do that it's 3 p.m maybe i'll do that later in the night sushi at 9 p.m now let's do the sushi at 4 p.m the red wine at 9 p.m and a breakfast burrito at 8 a.m You don't have to make any more trips to the store. You don't know where the store is. Postmates will deliver anything to you within the hour, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. As I mentioned before, I've used them for about five years now. Really happy to have them on as a sponsor. They're the largest on-demand network in the known universe with more than 25,000 partner merchants. Download the app for iOS or Android for free. Browse local restaurants and businesses and track your delivery. I like that you get to actually see where the person is in real time as they're delivering for you. And for a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. So for basically your first seven days, you're able to have no delivery fee until you amass over $100 of delivery fee, which uh, I think everyone would be happy with if you use Postmates that much. To start your free deliveries, download the app right now and use the code CAPSPACE. That's a code CAPSPACE for $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. You can get your deliveries free up to $100 worth for that first week. Get anything you need, anytime you need it. Download Postmates and save with the code CAPSPACE to let them know that you came from us. Unfortunately, the New Orleans Pelicans cannot use Postmates to order up the wins they need to make the playoffs. Although, again, as, as Chris and I talked about a couple days ago, yeah, okay, we desperately need to make the playoffs for the Pelicans. You know, we, we are 
just making the playoffs isn't going to impress Anthony Davis anyway. I mean, it really seems like the writing is on the wall. Matt Moore had an interesting piece though today, which I, I agree with to some degree that just having him for the next year and a half and then you can still offer him that same deal as a designated player which assuming he makes all nba this year which he's going to he would be eligible for automatically in the summer of 2020 and just say hey you know what if you're gonna leave that's fine we'll have another two playoff seasons hopefully that's worth something is getting now obviously if the return is big enough then you move him but you know those aren't like you're talking about two likely playoff seasons that if you move him now or one if you move him in the summer that you're kind of punting on so if the uh the offers aren't good enough maybe you just hold on to him and then all right you got to rebuild is you know getting uh, Jalen Brown from the Celtics I think Brown's pretty good I'd like to see what he can do when he, with more freedom but is that really worth just having a total miserable tanking year maybe you could say well at least we're starting the rebuild earlier we have that tanking year and then we have a high pick in 2020 as opposed to we make the playoffs and now we have another bad year the year after that but it, there is something to be said for that of just riding it out well you know what team has the has the experience of trading their star player and then getting a good pick immediately following that and that's the New Orleans Pelicans I mean with the Chris Paul situation yeah that's, that's right that's yeah the lockout there. year uh they got the number one pick uh, immediately so I, I guess they have that was not under this ownership but they do have experience uh, with moving a player and getting a, a pretty darn good return so I mean, I think you would have to at least very subtly listen on AD at this point. And we know the Lakers are out there. I wouldn't trade AD for everything that that the Lakers could give, even if they move AD now and they kind of drop out of the playoffs. I mean, I think they're because they still have Holiday. Now you could say that if you move AD, then you can also move Holiday, and now you can really get something to jumpstart it. But I, it doesn't seem like that's going to be. I think they're going to try. They'll try to do the Cleveland like, oh, we still have some pretty good guys. Like we could we could reload around these guys. Maybe we'll make the eight seed, and then they'll figure out that they're not going to do that and end up losing the. Uh, losing another year so i think it what it really would have to be is some kind of a dark horse because what the lakers have to offer just isn't enough for me i mean maybe maybe if they offered like three first round picks in addition to most of the cupboard of young guys i'll start to listen are the lakers going to do this thing where like they did with pg and to maybe a lesser son Kawhi, where they're like oh we could just sign him as a free agent or we could just trade for him in the in the offseason but the lakers might feel they need to move now to get make the playoffs this is a good lebron year that you don't want to waste and boston is can't be in the derby yet because they are limited with Kyrie Irving you can't sign or I'm sorry you can't trade for two guys who are signed as designated veterans or sorry geez I'm butchering this signed to designated rookie extensions I'm trying to think if there's anyone out there that would just say yeah you know we might not be where AD wants to return but we could get a year and a half of him here so maybe we'll just throw enough in I mean Portland is one that kind of comes to mind CJ McCollum could be in there throw some first rounders in there in the future as well try to pair up Dame and AD that would be a pretty nasty pairing any of the others come to mind as just kind of dark horses where like it would be worth it I thought for a hot second about the Clippers, but the problem with the Clippers is just their asset base isn't great unless they're willing to, to really start to throw some stuff yeah, in. They, they could build something around Shea. Yeah. And if, if and if the Pelicans are looking for to be more competitive in the near term, you know, guys like Lou Williams, who's on a value contract, I would say. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think they would want to try to retain, you know, it would be like Gortat and it'd be, I think they'd probably just go, try to go mostly young guys there. But other than Shea, they don't have a ton that's real sexy. Jerome Robinson 
Boston's been playing a little bit with some of their injuries, but I don't think he has a ton of positive value at this point in time. So it would have to be, I mean, that would be so interesting, right? Like what what if they did try to like, you know, three first round picks and Shea? I mean, that's probably, uh, again, I think they're just, they're not ready yet, but I think for the Clippers to be able to get AD, that does hurt your cap space this upcoming summer, presumably. Uh, it would just be expiring contracts. That's an interesting one though, man. I, I uh, But there isn't that much talk that he, he's in the mix with the Clippers the way. I have two know. more. Okay, let's hear him. It would probably have to involve Ben Simmons, but Philly. I mean, just with the idea of maybe there is some sort of incongruity. I, I hate the AD and Embiid fit though. I sort of do, but then there's the chance that it, I, I mean, I just wanted to float it as like a team that has resources that could, that could. Yeah throw a lot of things in there and then the other one i don't expect to see this because again it, there's weird fit issues but what about denver like maybe maybe well who's I, like Den- jamal murray jamal murray maybe gary harris like you just just say hey like we can what what kind of team that could be with with him i mean you could even use Millsap as salary ballast if you wanted to like that would be an easy an easy structure for new orleans to get you know to to get out of it denver depending they might even be able to take on a small amount of money like you could i, I don't know if jamal i mean they're very high on murray i don't know if they'd be willing to part with murray for a year and a half at ad yeah, and then I don't know. I don't, know I, don't even, I, I don't even to. know who the hell would be in the deal, but I'm kind of like I think Masai would call. I just don't know what the hell the deal would be. Sure. Oh, oh from uh, from Toronto. Toronto. Yeah. I mean. Oof. Yeah. I mean, I guess they've got Anunoby Siakam. Jesus. That I mean, they, that might be. That's a pretty. They Siakam could use Valanciunas or Ibaka as, as filler. Oh baby. Yeah, but these but those type of teams really to get those type of teams in there, those dark horse teams, I think you really have to if you want to get a return that's actually gonna matter, you gotta do it now. I don't think you're gonna get enough. Right. The, the idea offense. is you get two playoffs. Like that yeah. that is why I think a team like Toronto or Portland would be would be interested because you get you get those two playoff runs as opposed to just one. Oh man. Wow, Kawhi and A D. That'd just be insane. And you know, is Siakam a better asset than anything that Boston would throw in the deal if they wouldn't do Jason Tatum? Yeah, probably. Probably because their their future picks aren't looking as sexy anymore. Whew, wow. All right, let's say let, enough of this. We're probably annoying Pelicans fans here. What, what if the Pels want to just use their own first round pick to try and get better this year? The challenge there is really trying to get the salary right because you wouldn't want to give up somebody like Nikola Mirotic. And there is talk they is talk that they would be willing to move him. I, I think they desperately need him personally. I think that, I don't like that they're starting Randall instead of him right now. Yeah, and Etwan Moore is helping them and Solomon Hill has another year at seven point eight or sorry, twelve point yeah. eight million. So Yeah, well so so I think it would be the same as the Knight conception with Yeah, Houston. or or maybe they could do something with Wes Johnson as as filler ballast because he's an expiring six million. I assume that's also partially why he's still on the roster. Yeah, yeah, he has not uh, really produced much. Yeah, I'm sure they could throw in a Czech Diallo. That's really their only Frank Jackson. I'm sure those guys would be quite expendable if they wanted to sweeten up a deal a little bit. They, as always, need something at the three. But, you know, that's one where they're not as concerned about, you know, that could be another possible Bazemore destination. But as they, as always for them, I mean, Bazemore just doesn't have the size. I mean, they need someone with the size. Wes Matthews could be a little better, but then the salary matching, they would struggle there. Dallas isn't going to want to take back Hill. They want to use the, their cap space instead. But I mean, you agree with me? Their their big need is at the three. I mean, because they have solid players there. Other than that, the the buyout market is probably although they don't have any exceptions left. They use it all on Randall for the mid level and the biennial on Peyton. But 
guys in the buyout market could at least go there and play so that's useful something else that's that's really unfortunate for new orleans is that a lot of those kind of like you could call them marginal like the the lower end threes just are in good situations now like boyan bogdanovich like maybe if he were on a bad team kind of like you or if he if he were expendable like when brooklyn traded him a few years ago that sort of a circumstance but he's on the pacers i don't think the pacers are going to move him maybe they see it a little bit differently right now it's kind of a similar story with guys like james ennis what would you think? I, he's, I mean, obviously he doesn't solve their defensive problems, but just Terrence Ross is another guy who can space the floor, and he's more of a two than yeah. a three. Well, but... I'm not willing to give up a, a first-round first. pick to get him, e- even if you could get off of Hill. I mean, they could always stretch Hill well, as well. They also might not need salt like next year if this team is totally different you don't need to get off of solomon hill's money because you have no idea if that's going to matter right interesting that you mentioned it though oh yeah all the good threes are on good teams yeah it's kind of funny how that works isn't it that anybody who with any kind of three and d ability is actually like on a good team already it's almost like those guys help make the teams good isn't it maybe they could roll the dice on somebody who's younger like i don't know if stanley johnson solves their problems or is really available but going that route like kind of what more what phil what phoenix ended up doing with kelly Oubre, that sort of a thing as opposed to an established player but of course then the upside is immediate upside the present present value is a little lower you know who might help them is uh david nwapa oh i like that uh you know would they be willing to give up a second to try and get him doesn't seem like teams ever do those type of trades i think they should do a more this like go for the young veteran who's established who doesn't make anything but the team you know like cleveland doesn't really do much for them to like hold on to nuaba's restricted rights he's pretty old already at 26 like so you know to get a second is probably more valuable for cleveland than nuaba but nuaba could actually help this team trevor ariza if he becomes available maybe but then you know the wizards are not interested in taking any salary longer than that so i just talked myself out of that immediately John Simmons, perhaps from the Magic, who's a non-guaranteed for next year, makes about six million. You could go Wes Johnson for him, and maybe put a a second into that deal if they think Simmons could help them a little bit defensively. He's played well against the Warriors before. Assuming that even Orlando is going to move on there, maybe they could throw Frank Jackson into that deal instead if if they're not a huge believer in him and Orlando I, wants another out at, at the point guard position. Remember before about how I talked about Dallas probably couldn't get a first round pick for West Matthews, but maybe they could if they took on some money for next year. Yeah. What about something involving Solomon Hill and West Matthews? Yeah, well, I, I mentioned that earlier, but I just don't oh, think that Dallas wants to take on money for next year. I, I think yeah, but if it's if it's only like twelve million, that yeah, doesn't you impact could, them it, too you much. You could just stretch it if it were really if you're like, yeah. oh man, we really got the guy now. No, I I, I do think I, I don't see Dallas making a huge huge splash right now so but maybe people just really want to play with luca luca this is an interesting one that dallas is actually third in road attendance in the nba right now Interesting. Uh, that was from uh, McMenamin had that one yesterday. Well, yeah, I'm thinking that Dallas, it might take one more year for guys to really be sold on playing with Luca, and maybe that's another reason to go for 2020. But I, I could see Dallas being into their cap space at some point in the near term. Sure. And Dallas is a place that people have wanted to play before. They haven't been like a huge free agent destination, but they've gotten guys. Anything else you got on these guys? The Pelicans. I mean, Dell Demps just has a brutally hard job and it's not going to get easier anytime soon. But I don't know. There's some. There's something exciting about that. It's it's perilous. It's going to be tough with ownership. But he's stewarding a franchise through a a very challenging, compelling situation. And so I want to see where where they go and when they pivot, wh- whichever way it is. How how hard they go after that is going to be really important. And maybe they end up doing. 
doing it twice. Maybe they give up some sort of resource for this year and then it doesn't work and then they go hard the other way. But yeah, it's, it's going to be worth watching. We could transition to a team that, that did pivot in, in, an, in an intriguing way this past offseason, the San Antonio Spurs. The Spurs are probably going to be the most quiet of these teams in terms of discussions and maybe in terms of results as well at the deadline. They are $1.2 million below the luxury tax. They still have part of their MLE, part of their BAE left. And San Antonio, like a couple of other teams we've talked about recently, one of their limitations in terms of making big moves is that they're pretty stable in terms of the guys that are on multi-year contracts other than Pau Gasol with his partial guarantee are guys that I think they intend to keep around or that are, you know, like they're making too much money and so that it becomes like they're not willing to give up an asset to move them. So that's why I think they're going to stay stable. DeRozan, Lamarcus, those guys are fully guaranteed for next year. And then, you know, Davis Bertans, I think they want to keep like those sorts of things. So I fully expect them to stay stable. Yeah, and that has been their MO previously. I mean, if they did want to upgrade, you know, their bench is playing really well. What do they need? It would be nice if they could have someone in their starting lineup who could shoot a three. I mean, their their bench actually takes a lot of threes and shoots them well. Really, in their starting lineup, Forbes is the only one. Uh, someone who can defend a little bit on the wing it would be nice as well. But, I mean, they're never going to give up, like, a first-rounder to try and get someone. And they're pretty deep. They've been uh, Their bench has been better than I expected after a pretty rough start to the year that's been driving a lot of their success so i'm not sure there's any huge need that they have that's fillable they don't have much in the way of assets other than future first round picks that i think they'd be willing to move you know Dejounte murray uh he's coming off a torn acl they're very high in him that's not the type of player who's going to get moved it uh at this point in time so i i mean are we done already with these guys is there anything anything else to say it's uh, well they, they need to also evaluate some of the young guys that they have i mean so Derek white missed a lot of the early part of the year he's looked good since he returned i don't think they're ready to to move him in something lonnie walker similar situation except that he's younger not only in terms of nba experience but also in terms of life he's, he's just a younger guy so i think they're gonna want a little bit of time to evaluate all that kind of stuff and yaka Pertle is i think a part of the future in san antonio but they need to figure out how big you know is he more of a rotation center do they even want you know like do they want to make him a full-time starter or like a 25 minute starter there are a lot of different options but Pertle, you know a little less than four million next year and then he's a restricted free agent with a with a cap hold that 2020 offseason when more things could go on depending on how how they're seeing it and what happens with demarcus or sorry demar Derozan's player options so i don't expect to, to see much especially because i think a lot of their guys are are outperforming expectations that makes it harder to really do something because unless another team is really sold on it you want to be like hey this is working well you know davis Bertans is dumb is just draining threes Bryn forbes is too having a better year than i expected so probably want to keep those guys around and with rudy gay he might be the most compelling guy here because he's a pending pending free agent they will have early bird rights on him but san antonio is competing for a playoff spot so they're not going to really do anything there also it just it doesn't really make sense they brought these guys in they've been playing well falling off a bit recently but still projected to make the playoffs as of now and it really seems like this summer where DeRozan Aldridge both those guys could be in close to the last year of their contracts Aldridge has 7 million guaranteed for 2021 out of his 24 million and DeRozan has a player option that same year and then you know we don't know if Greg Popovich even is going to continue coaching like that's up in the air as well so maybe this summer could be an inflection point and we'll see how well they play you know you could see anything from them winning around in the playoffs to them missing the playoffs entirely 
entirely still. So there's much yet to be written about this team, but the combination of this being a new group, playing relatively well, not having any huge holes, and their history of doing very little at the deadline leaves me to believe that most likely no moves will be made. Oh, we forgot to do most likely to be traded on the Pels, and then we can do the, the Spurs. Huh. It's definitely not Anthony Davis. It's far, far, far no. from that. Either, either Wes Johnson or Solomon Hill is probably the two. Yeah, I'll go with Wes. And then for San Antonio... I'm going to go Solomon Hill, actually, by the way, for, okay. for New Orleans. Because I, th- I think Wes is just, I mean, maybe you could say they throw in a second with him and they can get back someone in that salary band who could play. Like maybe Garrett Temple, for example, you know, would be someone who they mm-hmm. feel like could help them. But yeah, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's very close between those two. All right. But but yeah, back to San Antonio. I'm going to go with Pal. I mean, not really a, a definitive part of their plans. Some f- flexibility moving forward. I think he's the best call. Yeah. You could also, I, I mean, I don't think he'll even be a buyout guy. He's, he's got $7 million guaranteed for next year uh, out of 16 million all right let's uh let's wrap it up here man that was uh this is quite the division so we'll uh we'll be back we still got three more divisions to do and then we also of course have the mock trade deadline planning on recording that on monday we'll come out in multiple parts as it often does and we'll talk to y'all then but sunday will be more more trade stuff catch up on some more news uh, as well till then at Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.